Tonight I'm going to be reading from Mark and Luke. So the first set of scripture I have is Mark 1, 16 through 20. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat, mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. And then flipping over to Luke, Luke 4, 16 through 22. On a Sabbath, while he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. Sorry, two more pages. Sorry, wrong page. Let's start over. <laughs> Luke 4, 16 through 22. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood next to the and stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of the sight of the blind, to set liberty to those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, it is, not, is this not Joseph's son? The word of the Lord. Oh, wow, it's like my church. I turned around at one point. I think there were three people here. And I get up and turn around, and there's a lot more. Pentecost is one of my favorite uh, days in the life of the church, and it reminds me of a story of a bishop who went into a church on Pentecost Sunday, and this church had these beautiful banners up, and on the right side and the left side, and then these beautiful orange and red flames, and, and, and they were just, um, you could really sense the spirit of Pentecost in them, and the words that, that said on this one, one banner said, Come, Holy Spirit, and these flames were going up, and right above the banner was a fire extinguisher. I love the Spirit. I love the Spirit of, of Pentecost. I know this is not Pentecost, but I was just thinking about that as we gather together. And so I say these words to you. The Spirit of Christ be with you. And also with you. Thank you. Grace and peace to you, beautiful people of God. I bring you greetings from the congregation where I serve, Central United Methodist Church, just around the corner, literally this way, I think St. John's is this way, one of those directions we're in, uh, around the corner in the Fourth and Gill neighborhood. I've been serving there for almost eight years. I'm married. My wife, Leslie, she works at Pellissippi State Community College, and my kids are Henry and Catherine, and they're 10 and 7, and they go to Beaumont Magnet Academy, so I appreciate the words that you were saying about Christenberry, as our church has also had a partnership with both Beaumont and with Fulton High School for about seven or eight years now, and we're uh, honored to be a part of that, and as you uh, think about how you're neighboring and how you are a part of the community, I encourage you in developing those relationships and those partnerships. 
Our church is the biggest building that you can't find. We strive to be a refuge for the lost and the lonely. We're a community center for our neighbors. We're a place where people come to vote, a place where addicts come to tell their stories and to heal. We're a place where young and old and everyone in between gather together, much like you, faithfully every week to hear the old, old story of Jesus and his love told. We are a place that sends people back into the community to tell that same story again and again, sometimes with words, but most of the time there are actions. We, now your neighbors, are a people with a beautiful 94-year-old building that looks about like this one, only it's probably 50% bigger than this one, but very similar. Uh, and uh, we are the product of two churches that came together in the 1920s to create one church. And there are two churches that had deep roots in this community going back to the 1860s. Uh, and they were import, very important in the Broadway corridor. That was Broad Street Methodist and Centenary Methodist churches. We are your brothers and sisters. We are your neighbors. And so let me be the first from our congregation to say to you, welcome to the neighborhood. Let's pray. Lord, listen to your children praying. Lord, send your spirit in this place. Lord, listen to your children praying. Send us love, send us power. Send us grace. Amen. A few weeks ago, I found myself right outside the doors of our beautiful sanctuary cleaning human waste off the front steps. Hose in one hand, standing at about 20 feet away, I kept thinking two things. One, they don't teach us this in seminary. And second, what the heck am I doing here? This is taking other duties as assigned a bit too far, isn't it? It was one of those moments, friends, that made me question everything about ministry, about what I do and why I do it, about how I do it and how the church goes about being in ministry. What about when we find needles on the grounds around the church? What about, and this really happened, when our unhoused neighbors bring a couch and two chairs and they sit it on your front steps. It's one thing to say we welcome all. It's another when it's a lived experience. And so as I sprayed that water and, and it, it was cleaning it off, the water became a reminder of my baptism and the call that Jesus had placed on my life to serve my neighbor with and through the message of the gospel. A gospel that is hope for the hopeless. A gospel that is grace for the disgraced. A gospel for both the poor and the rich. A gospel for the downtrodden and those that are on cloud nine. A gospel for those who use the front steps as a bathroom. A gospel for those who hear voices and live in agony. A gospel for those who fear others, who fear shelters, who fear crowds. A gospel for everyone. 
a gospel for our neighbors, religious and non-religious, a gospel that calls and compels me to follow the risen Christ. And friends, that's a call that comes with risks, risks that I have taken now for some 16 years as a local church pastor and 21 years in ministry and a risk that you all take each and every day as you follow Christ. Because anytime you enter into a relationship with another human being, it's risky and it can get messy. I mean, think about what the religious leaders asked Jesus about, about neighbor. And and then what did Jesus do when they said, well, who is my neighbor? What did he do? He told them a story about hated neighbors. Sometimes we don't like the answer, do we? You want me to love who? You want me to follow you where? You want me to clean that off the front steps? You want me to help that person? Do you want this person to be my neighbor? I'm guessing, friends, that If we knew where Jesus might lead us at times, we would have half a mind to stay put where we are. But he said, love your neighbor. And sometimes neighbors make messes. And you know what? Sometimes we are the messy neighbor. The two scriptures I chose for today have to do with following Jesus and what Jesus was about. First, Mark doesn't tell us much, does he? If somebody comes to me and they say, Pastor Jimmy, I want to read the Bible. Where should I start? Well, I don't tell them Genesis. That's a horrible place to start, right? So I don't tell them Matthew. I tell them Mark. Mark reads like a script. It moves, and the next day this, and the next day that. But because of that, Mark doesn't give us a ton of detail. And so he is to the point in this story when Jesus comes along, and and pretty much all he says, come on, y'all. And they did. He didn't say where he was going. He just said, follow me. And that's open-ended and that's risky and uncertain. And that's the way it is anytime we engage with our neighbors. We never know fully what we're going to get into. Now, I knew what I was getting into tonight because, by the way, your reputation precedes you as a community of faith and all that you have been a part of and all that you have done as you seek the peace of the city. But we don't know often what we're getting into when we engage with our neighbors. But it doesn't stop God from calling us to engage and to be good neighbors. And the other passage has to be, it's about what Jesus is going to be about and therefore what we're called to be about. Jesus is so much to us. Jesus is a savior. Jesus came so that we might know the heart of God and we recite in the, 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 the creed, uh, we say, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, but also, friends, we have the words of Jesus himself when he got up and he read from the prophet Isaiah. And what did he say? The Messiah has come to bring good news to the poor. Release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to proclaim jubilee. Loving our neighbors looks like these things. Now he is of course reading 
from the prophet Isaiah about who this deliverer, who this savior would be, who this person would be that would bring them out of exile and restore Jerusalem. But I always love how he ends the words that day in the temple, almost like a mic drop, when he stands there and he says, today, what has been written has been fulfilled. These words in Isaiah remind us that being human, that loving our neighbors is not easy work. To give sight to the blind, because what if the blind is you and me? To set the prisoner free, I believe this is both spiritual and and physical material. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to proclaim jubilee, a time when all the debts were wiped free, a time when you got to start fresh. Have you ever been that way? Have you ever just wanted to start fresh? Start new, start again. Our neighbors want that. Jesus is saying, there is something new taking place here. And here I am, now follow me. So back to the front steps, as I was spraying that water, I kept repeating, and I kept repeating, Jesus said, follow me. Jesus said, follow me. Jesus said, follow me. Here, Lord, this, Lord, when we think about neighboring, I can't help but think about the very things that Jesus came to do to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, to let the oppressed go free. Friends, to bring good news. And as the church, the art of neighboring is found in the ways we bring that good news. And that's manifest in myriad ways. How All Souls does that will look a little different than Central or St. John's or The Point. And who knows? Maybe there's a time when there are things that we might do together. Because, you know, neighbors do that sometimes. But what we do is live into our own calling and our own identity and baptism. Collectively, All Souls has a mission Individually, each of you have a mission, a call upon your life. And the heart of that call is to follow Jesus, to love neighbors, to follow Jesus, to love neighbors, even when they leave a mess on your front steps. No, no, especially when they leave a mess on your front steps. If you can't tell, I still haven't gotten over that. And I'm not sure I ever will. Maybe that's not a bad thing. Amen.